0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the
1: powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No Tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches.
1: The volume.
2: The Three and Out podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to bet every moment more than with FanDuel. We have the NBA rolling and my personal favorite, betting on the PGA Tour. I cannot recommend it enough. You get winnings fast, and winnings are also delivered in under two hours. It's a fun to combine multiple bets from the same game parlay. No big deal. NBA, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson. That would be what I would do. If you are new, just download the FanDuel app, to get started now, sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecop, Three and Out Podcast. That's me. That's the show. Welcome back, hopefully. And if you're new, uh, hopefully I can keep you around for a while, and then you'll like the show and share it with your friends because that's what we do here. We share it with our friends. We share with our enemies, and uh, we keep rocking and rolling here in early May, and we got a lot to talk about. We got a suspension, we got draft talk, we got, you know, some veteran players, Honey Badger signed today, uh, we got controversy in the NIL department, is the is the player from Pitt being stolen away? Uh, I just actually watched a little bit of James Addison, or Jordan Addison, excuse me. You know, a little small, but a good player, really good player. But let's, you know, he's not exactly Jamar Chase, but $3 million in a house. That's what I heard Collins tweet out or someone tweeted out. He might have said that on the show today. But we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of that. Of course, Middlecoff Mailbag, easiest way to get a hold of me. We do it at the end of this show and we do it on the weekend at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. So fire into those direct messages and get your question answered here on the show. Uh, also, if you listen on Collins' feed, please subscribe separately to this feed, Three and Out Podcast. Greatly appreciate it. Leave a review if you if you so uh, if you can. I uh, it helps with the selling of the show, and uh, hopefully, I can put up Draymond Green numbers because he got <laughs> ejected from the game. He posted his podcast, and within the blink of an eye, in under twenty four hours, he had seven hundred thousand people watch him. Power of these NBA stars, man, is no joke. But let's dive into uh, some football talk. (laughs) Okie dokie. Let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. And if you've listened to me, you know that, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the way they always do things. Now, I I, I don't blame them necessarily for the Kyler Murray current situation. Uh, Him going kind of diva and demanding a contract when, you know, it just hasn't really been earned. Not relative to the money that he wants, and given to the company that he views himself in, uh, I, I I don't put that on the organization. I do put on the organization. Like one thing I learned when I was in the NFL, and you know we, we've all seen it as, as a fan or as people that fall football, things can change very fast. When I was, I think my second year in the league, Jason Peters tore his Achilles just in the off season. I mean, he just. I don't even can't even really remember what he was doing. I don't even know if it was training; just tore his Achilles, in like right now or it might have been after OTAs. I can't totally remember the timing of it, and we just lose our starting left tackle. I mean, anyone that's a fan of a team has lost a player during OTAs, and a, a an area of strength can become an area and weak, uh, uh, you know, an area of weakness immediately. All all it takes is a broken bone, a torn Achilles a messed up shoulder, and this is just training, let alone in training camp. We see it all the time. So you can't control when guys get injured on the field, right, as long as they're doing the right things and you're telling them, you know, the training regimens and food and all the stuff. that. And I would say in 2022, most people understand the right way to train, the right way to eat. It it definitely gets presented to them and what they put in their body. Right At this point in time, all these guys in the league know what's okay and what's not okay. Any question you have, you go to the trainer. You go to your team, and they say yay or nay. So I do not put DeAndre Hopkins, who just got suspended, on the organization. But what I do put on the organization is they got a lot of credit for acquiring DeAndre Hopkins. Why? Because they unloaded an overpaid running back to Bill O'Brien, and they got him for a second-round pick it was like we all anointed the move as one of the great trades of all time. And on paper, it was highway robbery. But once you have him on your team and when he's on the field, he's an awesome player. You know, he's got some flaws, but he's a damn good player. He gets injured kind of a lot now, but you got to have contingency plans. But I also think you can't overreact to stuff, right? So to me, they've known about this before the draft. And I see a lot on social media This gives us a lot of clarity on why they made the Hollywood Brown trade. Not really. I mean, to me, they traded pick 23. They traded more for Hollywood Brown, a guy that couldn't hold DeAndre Hopkins' jock, than they did to acquire DeAndre Hopkins. So this notion, like, you can't make, you can't have overreactions in high-level industries. To me, it takes some patience. Sometimes you have to take a deep breath and obviously, when they made the trade, all the receivers were off the board. But all these good teams, like the the Chiefs had no problem finding a receiver in the second round. So I, I just, I've just i said over and over, I didn't like the feeling of being beholden. Like, you have to improve around your quarterback. Whether you have Mahomes or Rodgers, or whether you have Kyler Murray. There is nothing wrong with a philosophical belief internally to try to get good players around the guy. But when they used pick 23 for an underachieving small player who happened to be the guy's teammates and their friends, I, I thought that was a pretty big stretch. And now trying to justify it, well, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be out for six games. I don't know. I don't love it. You just got a guy last year. I think it was in the second round. The little guy from Purdue, Rondale Moore, liked that guy a lot. Now, I understand that they lost Christian Kirk to the Jags, who, you know, probably got a little overpaid, but they needed a speed wide receiver. I, I still can't justify trading pick twenty-three. I, I I believe that that and the Minnesota Vikings trade back from twelve to thirty-two are the biggest head-scratching moves of the weekend about true value. Because we can argue all we want about Cole Strange and should he have gone at the end of the first? Should got gone at the second? Like we can have legit arguments. Bill Belichick can tell you I know for a fact he was going to go in four picks, and we didn't have the ability to trade back. And, and I don't know if he's right or wrong. But I do know, I can't imagine, many teams in the league would have traded pick 23. If you gave all those picks to all 32 teams for the right, not just to acquire Hollywood Brown, for the right to extend them. He, he's now going into his fourth year. So they're going to be forced, and we'll talk about fifth-year options coming up, to pick that up. And you, all because of DeAndre Hopkins. Listen, obviously great wide receivers. There are only so many DeAndre's, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Devonte Adams, Tyree Kills. like they are. But as we've seen the last couple of years, a lot more great wide receivers are consistently coming into the NFL. When you talk about supply and demand, I just can't get behind it. And you you can't justify this guy getting suspended as the reason to make that move. Honestly, I'd argue it's it's even more head scratching. It feels like you were too emotional. It feels like you were being too reactive. Instead of taking a deep breath, you still have a lot of talented guys on your team. Here's the other thing. When you have a great wide receiver, or I mean, excuse me, a great quarterback or a very talented quarterback, he should be able to elevate the players around him. You should be able to take mid-round picks and make them look really good. And it's never been easier, according to the drafts, to find mid-round and early round, like second, third, fourth wide receivers. And guys that can immediately transition into the league and be productive players for you. So... Obviously, a blow to the Cardinals. And let's face it, they got a lot of weird stuff going on right now. A L- lot of weird stuff. I-, I-, I wanted to get to some organizational philosophies because I, I was watching uh, the basketball games on Sunday and and it really stuck out to me. Now, obviously, I, I follow the Warriors very, very closely. And I-, and I think that the ethos of their team really starts with, obviously, their guy. I mean, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are two of the greatest shooters of all time. I mean, Steph's... An outlier of a player. We we've never seen. He literally changed the sport. Right. Yeah, I'm sure any parent that's listening to this, that goes to you know their kids play basketball, eight to twelve years old, let alone junior high or high school. Everyone's bombing threes. I'll never forget. My dad put a basketball hoop. I was probably around 10, 11 years old. It's actually still there. Uh, and when I went home for Easter, kids were playing on it. So it's it's held the test of time. And I used to just bomb away. And I stopped playing basketball after like ninth grade. But I used to love shooting. My dad's like, work on your left-handed layups. I'm like, I want to shoot threes. And we didn't even have a three-point line. But like any kid, you want to shoot bombs. And I don't think the Curry and Clay and even Draymond get enough credit for being outstanding teammates, for being selfless people, for being team-first guys. And I think that's a huge reason why their organization has had such success drafting other players around them. And I also was watching the Celtics game and thinking, you know the craziest part about Giannis is one the NBA doesn't promote him. Even though every time and I see a lot of like his videos and press conferences go viral, you go this guy is everything you would want in a in a pro athlete. He's always talking about his teammates, he's always talking about working hard, he's always talking about how meaningless awards are. It's like, why don't they promote them? It's like they're too busy promoting the first take boys in in Brooklyn or LeBron James. Like, I got news for you. We don't give a shit anymore. Like, start talking about Giannis. And Giannis is one of the great physical freaks we've ever seen. He's like the modern day version of Shaq. But he went from being this physical freak with some major flaws, couldn't shoot, free throws, to now being the best player in the world. And I I think it's pretty clear he's the best player in the world. And when you draft players, a lot of it's out of your control. You do detective work and you get to know the guys and I think a lot of teams in a perfect world would love to draft really good players that are really good guys but the reason top players I would say consistently sustain success is the intangible stuff and we've been talking a lot about this leading up to the draft and the reason Giannis is the best player in the world clearly is for all the work he's doing when no one's watching for how fun he is for his teammates to play with. Like the intangibles he checks off all the boxes Klay Thompson and Steph Curry get as much joy as they do when they dominate as when now Jordan Poole has become the third Splash Bro. So when you look at this draft class, think about the guys in recent memory that are having a lot of success, especially the quarterbacks, right? Justin Herbert, fantastic human being. Josh Allen, fantastic human being. By all accounts, super hard workers. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, everyone in their building loves them. Like they are literally beloved. Think of, in recent memory, the guys that we've had problems with, like the star players, like Antonio Brown. He just becomes a self-absorbed narcissist. Now, obviously, he had sustained a lot of success with Pittsburgh, but then it just came off the rails. It's sad. He should have had a 10-year career of maintaining that. And I think that's the hardest part of the entire draft, right, is picking the right people because it's so easy. Sometimes the best people are not the best players, and it's a very, very hard balance. And sometimes... The questionable people just need a little direction. You just have to get them around your Clay Thompson, your Giannis, right? So if you are the Chiefs, if you are the Bills, if you are, you can take chances. But there's a fine line on taking one too many chances. So it's just, it's why it's so hard. It's why I hate these draft grades. We have no clue. A lot of these guys are 21, 22 years old. How they're going to, I just... I made a note today to text all the coaches and GMs that I know I, I waited till till Monday to reach out and congratulations on the draft and mention a guy in their draft class that I liked. And it's funny, like all my the GMs or front office people are all super excited, right? They're like, Can't wait, can't wait, we nailed it, value, and, and I'm I'm hyping it up too because I'm excited. But all the coaches that respond, whether it's Coach Reed or Sean McDermott, they're like, Yeah, well. Excited to get them on the field, you know, because their mindset is a little bit different than the front office mindset. And th- this whole thing, like uh, Jim Washburn once said to me that it's so easy for you guys in the front office to tell us, you know, down in position rooms, and I think this speaks for any position coach in the league, you know, listen, this guy might be a little questionable, but he can really play. Well, once the once the draft happens, you don't have to deal with him anymore. He's in my meeting room and he's with my group of players, so it it is it is truly a very, very difficult uh, business to be in because you're picking players. Uh, I have a buddy that's in the construction business. His company, and I've had other buddies that started companies, and they got bought by a venture capitalist firm because they buy like four or five of that specific company in that specific industry, and then they try to consolidate and try to make a lot of money. And it's so easy in that because nothing changes. It's just dealing with whether it's alarms or whether it's refrigerations and Safeways and grocery stores, whatever business you're in, the VCs just look at revenue. And for the most part, if you just pick the right businesses and and buy the ones in certain regions, you can print cash. Where with football, you are dealing with human beings. So just because the guy was awesome in college, you might go as a scout and you might find out this is a very, very questionable individual. People do not like him. And then you have to discern, is that just because this program's in disarray? You know, like a USC or like a Texas, even though I'm pretty sure Texas didn't have a player drafted. Or is it because the guy's a bad guy? And sometimes there's no right or wrong answers. You're just, like like I've been saying, you're just taking educated guesses. And to me, it's the most fascinating part about the draft.
1: The playoffs are here. You can make every game feel like Game 7. On FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA, FanDuel's hooking you up free bets through the playoffs. Free bets. Doesn't matter if you're a new customer or already have an account. Be sure to check out the app, exclusive weekly same-game parlay promos. FanDuel's got so many ways to play. Best of all, when you win, you get paid faster than a fast break. If you're new to FanDuel, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Sign up with the promo code Colin. If you already have an account, you're all set to get in on the action. Either way, you'll get an assist from FanDuel when you bet a same-game parlay during the playoffs. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. P-E-N-Y or text H O P E N Y 467369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline one 889 9789 tennessee Visit one gamblernet in West Virginia.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, The cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms
1: and conditions. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: Let's dive into John Gruden because a lot of stuff happened like Wednesday, Thursday that was in regards to fifth-year options that we didn't really get to talk about because the draft happened. And Dave Ziegler, the new general manager, and Josh McDaniels, obviously the new head coach, declined every single fifth-year option on three players that Gruden drafted uh, in the 2018 NFL draft. It was Cleveland Farrell. It was, I guess it might have been the 2019 draft. Josh Jacobs, the running back, and Jonathan Abrams. And one thing's pretty clear. Marketing campaigns really work. Right? How often? I don't even eat that much fast food anymore, but no one is better than Burger King and McDonald's and Taco Bell for their campaigns over my lifetime. They put on incredible commercials that you'll be sitting on the couch and be like, damn, I really want to eat that burger right now. And they've been doing it for a long time. And there's a reason everywhere you go, there are McDonald's, Burger King's, Jack in the Box, Taco Bell's. Like, they know what they're doing. They know how to market to basically everyone. And one thing with guys, we like to eat. So if you put that burger, make that burger look pretty good in a commercial, and the irony is it never looks that good when you order it. You know, it's like, I've been I've been feeding for this double Western bacon. And then you get it, and it's like, did you guys even put this thing in the microwave? Well, what, what's going on? It happens a lot of Burger King with the Burger King breakfasts. Uh, I'm a sucker for the Burger King breakfast because I love a good croissant witch, but they never put it in the microwave long enough. But if you're sitting on at home, you know, on like a Saturday afternoon and you see it, you know, the commercial on television, you're like, God, their breakfast looks amazing. And then you go the next day and it's terrible. But obviously, I'm wearing Travis Matthews right now. They've really upped their marketing, right? They got Jimmy Garoppolo. They they basically hired a bunch of NFL quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo, Alex Smith, Matt Ryan. Ro- I guess Alex Smith's with Link Soul, Matt Ryan. And I've ended up buying a lot of stuff. And obviously, it's a golf brand, but I feel like I see it everywhere. So I'm just drawn to it. Marketing works. Ask Michael Jordan. Ask Tiger Woods. But John Gruden, you could argue, is one of the great marketers in the history of professional sports because he created this brand when he was out of football that basically made every single person a believer. Like, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone. When the Raiders hired him, I'm like, my God, they hit a home run. They got John Gruden every single college, every pro team has wanted this guy for a decade. He is John Gruden. All this guy did was win, and then you look at his record, you're like, well, he didn't win that much, but you know, he's got this personality. You've seen him in these quarterback camps. You've seen him on the draft even though he was pounding the table for Johnny Manziel. It's not like he's always right. It's like, well, he's developed a lot of quarterback. Well, he just, Rich Gannon was the one quarterback he developed, but the marketing campaign was second to none. Honestly, it'll probably never be duplicated. Ever. Because let's say Sean Payton's out of football five years, regardless whether he has a good marketing campaign or not, his resume speaks for itself. Sean Payton was one of the best offensive coaches for 15 years. And before that, he was one of the best coordinators in the league. John Gruden was a head coach the last five or six years were a debacle. Yet when the Raiders hired him, it was a really big deal. And they got a ton of credit, and rightfully so. And a huge reason was no one could get the guy to accept their job. So once he accepts the job, you're like, this is going to work. And then what turns out is what everyone had been saying. He's a terrible, and I repeat, terrible personnel man. First thing he did when he got here was trade Khalil Mack. And then like two months later, he trades Zamari Cooper. And listen, you make tough decisions when you take over an organization. A lot of new coaches all over the NFL will get rid of players, will trade players. It's part of the business. If you tell me Saquon Barkley doesn't make it to week one, because I believe it. So there's nothing wrong with trading the players. But part of trading players for draft picks, especially really good ones, like when they traded Khalil Mack and then Amari Cooper, is those draft picks turn into players. And the draft picks, and part of the reason, once they traded them, they basically tanked that first season. So it led them to a top five pick. And they ended up with Cleveland Farrell, who is god-awful. And then the other two picks, Jonathan Abram can't cover a soul, is a hard-hitting safety in a league that doesn't allow hard-hitting. So it's one of, I I saw someone tweet this out. It's very rare to get three first round picks, right? It it happens maybe once every other year for one team because they have a couple first rounders and then they trade into the first round. The Raiders actually had three first rounders at the start of the draft and not one of them got their option picked up. You could argue, and I understand that, I think uh, Hunter Renfro was in that draft and Max Crosby was in that draft. You get credit for those picks, but when I factor in the first round, where let's face it, you have access to pick every single player you want relative to the rest of the draft, it's an all-time whiff. And to me, that the John Gruden experiment is an all-time failure, because I don't give him any credit for them making the playoffs this year. They made the playoffs with an interim coach, and there is no guarantee, because when he got fired, they started out 3-0, and and then they lost the two games. I don't know that he would have maintained it because every single year, even as they improved a little bit, they crumbled down the stretch. And for the first time, the Raiders actually played really well in December. That had not been happening under Gruden. But I think you have to be very, very careful of these enormous self-promoters. And I would say John Gruden is an all-time self-promoter. He's an okay, solid coach, probably above average football coach and offensive coordinator. But he is one of the worst let me repeat, worst drafters we've ever seen. You'd be like, what about Mayock? John Gruden had the final decision on literally everything in the building. It's why, you know, now that Josh McDaniels and Ziegler are there, it, the Raiders is an awesome job. The owner doesn't tell you shit. You can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want about Mark Davis and the haircut. It, you're a lot, you get, you know, full... Uh, power on everything. From sandwiches the players eat to the to the offensive line to the meeting. You, you can do whatever you want. And John Gruden failed. Let that be a life lesson. Next time a guy doesn't have success and goes away and the hype machine grows, we're going to red flag that thing. Uh, Daniel Jones. Speaking of the fifth year options, I, I, I developed a philosophy this morning. And it's basically when in doubt, When there's any question, decline. To me, the fifth-year option should consistently be no-brainer, guys. Nick Bosa, Justin Herbert. You know, you don't even have to think. Tristan Wirfs. Just think of all the first-rounders. Nope. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Micah Parsons, like those level players. Anything else, any question you have, you should immediately decline. Now, some decisions are going to be harder than others. Because it's it's always difficult, especially if you've made the pick. It was easy for the Giants, right? The new GM and the new head coach had nothing to do with drafting. That was Dave Gettleman. But it is 100% the right decision. And let's say in a perfect world, Daniel Jones has a career year. And all of a sudden looks like he could be the starter. It happened once upon a time, a different situation. Because the fifth year option, I don't even think existed. And this guy wouldn't have been on it. But Alex Smith, Jim Harbaugh came in basically a one year contract he resurrects his career. If Daniel Jones has a has an Alex Smith resurrection, you deal with that next year. But under no circumstances could you have accepted the offer. And I think when you look around, I see I saw it with the 49ers, Mike McGlinchey. He's been okay, but to me the moment you have to be like, should I don't decline because you get yourself in this position where you have these enormous numbers cuz they're like the average of the most recent five guys that, you know, the contracts. So these quarterback contracts, and you're seeing it this year with uh, with uh, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Their number is big. They are not $19 million players, but that is the number on the fifth-year option. And regardless of the position, it's a relatively high number. So when you on the fence and then you accept the, or you, uh, you know, you give the thumbs up to pick up the option and then you're regretted a year later, that's where you have problems. Because like the franchise tag, there is no moving the money around on the salary cap. If it's a 15, if it's an 18, and the number's only going to grow as these contracts are growing, twenty million million, fifth year option, that number is on the cap. And if you're on the fence, that means you probably don't want to extend the player and you find yourself in no man's land. And you want to avoid being in no man's land at all times when it comes to player contracts, especially guaranteed money. Remember a couple years ago, Kyle Fuller, uh, you know, there's two Fullers. I think it's Kyle Fuller who was the corner for the Bears. They declined the fifth-year option, then he had a fantastic year, and then they paid him. If you got to do that, you got to do it. Worst case scenario, Daniel Jones has a Pro Bowl season and you franchise tag him. More than likely, he won't. And you can just rid yourself of him. And you're not tied. Like... Part of trading for, like I don't necessarily blame the Panthers because when you trade a second-round pick for Sam Darnold, but you don't think they regret picking that thing up? You don't think the Browns, and I said this at the time, and I know he had a really good year, but you watched him. You went, I don't know if this is sustainable. He's tiny. He can't move. Their team is absolutely stacked. And someone told me, who was I talking to? I was talking to someone on the that said they were on the field a couple years ago with Kevin Stefanski, and Baker was having a really good year. And Kevin told one of their offensive coaches like, "Yeah, just I'm still not that comfortable. Like I don't know if we see this guy as the long term guy." This was in 2020, and then clearly after that season, they picked up the fifth year option. And now, let's face it more more likely than not, the Browns are going to have to cut Baker Mayfield and eat that $18 million. Now, that, that's a Jimmy Haslam bank account problem, but still, let's face it, that's pretty embarrassing. That's bad business. I mean, they, they, they don't want to be in this situation at all. I also, I saw a good stat uh, from Albert Breer today on the on the quarterbacks and their impact in the draft. I said for a while, and I'm you know, not to toot my own horn, but don't be surprised if not as many quarterbacks go high as people are hyping it up to be. This had, this was the complete opposite, even in a draft that had some failures, right? Baker, Sam, Josh, uh, two Josh's, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson, that that draft was clear these guys were going to go really high. And honestly, you could argue the story of the draft was Lamar falling to 32. But in this draft, they had the lowest... A quarterback hadn't gone this low for the first quarterback, and only one guy in the first round... In 25 years, and that was Jim Drunkenmiller in 1997, I think went 26th. And this year, obviously, just the one quarterback went pick 20, which I don't necessarily see it, but I'm not a big average arm guy. And my struggle with Kenny Pickett is when your comp is a poor man's Mac Jones, like I'll be honest, I didn't view Mac Jones as a first round pick last year. To me, historically, Mac Jones goes in the second round. I would say, historically, Kenny Pickett goes in like the third round. He was a one-year wonder. Now, I get it, really good guy, and part of it, same with Mac Jones, but I, I, I don't see it. Where I thought the other picks in the draft, it was just proper value. Like, everyone, and I told this to Coward yesterday on his pod, like, everyone freaked out, like, oh, and I, listen, I, I'm a big John Robinson guy. To me, that's that's a good pick, that's good value, but that's proper value. You get this guy who's a raw product, who's got, you know, first round attributes, but you no one was going to take that guy in the first or second round. As, as as a scouting director told me probably last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, he's like the guy can't throw within the pocket. He can kind of run around and then he has a strong arm, but even then he doesn't know where it's going, but he, he has no clue what he's doing in the pocket. None, which is fine if you believe in your coaching and you can get that guy going, but if you don't know what you're doing in the pocket, I can't take in the first two rounds. And Desmond Ritter, unlike Malik Willis, like part of Malik Willis, why you can take in the third round, is he has an enormous arm. So you hope that you can mold him. But there's no guarantee you ha- you can. And on the flip side, Desmond Ritter probably is what he is. Okay arm, good athlete, good guy. But his physical attributes are average at best. If anything, he's going to have to hang his hat kind of like, his best case scenario, best, best case is Dak Prescott. And to me, worst case is his comp, Marcus Mariota. Well, if you could redo a draft, what round would Marcus Mariota go in? Third or fourth, right? He would not go, he went number two. As history has shown, that was an all-time overdraft. And you don't know that at the time. But I, but I remember thinking like, the hype on this kid, and I love Marcus Mariota. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet people that have been around mariota swear by the guy. but he doesn't have a great arm. he's not that accurate. he's fast and he's tall. i mean, but he, but he struggles to be a consistent starter in the nfl. and when he did start, it didn't it got worse as time went on. so i i think that we overhype and rightfully so because of the importance of quarterbacks, but i think now the media and the hype on these like every every draft needs to have four or five quarterbacks. no they don't. Like good quarterbacks should go high, but it makes no sense to take a quarterback just to take a quarterback in the first round. You need to take starters in the first round because you're going to pay them the most. And part of it, obviously, the fifth year option, it, it, it is a. Uh, there are benefits to getting it right, but you you don't want to waste the pick. And I I give a lot of credit to just the GMs for taking a deep breath and not overdrafting. Are you looking for the hottest gambling advice out there? Check out the Moneyline Monaco podcast powered by FanDuel. Every weekday, our guy Alex Monaco will give you his best bets, including game picks, props, same game parlays, and much more. Monaco is in another groove and has won nearly 60% of his bets all time. So don't miss your chance to make some money by downloading the Moneyline Monaco wherever you get your podcast, only on the Volumes Podcast Network.
1: Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash A big story
2: that's kind of circulating right now is this wide receiver, last name Addison, Blitnikoff winner last year, love the Blitnikoff family, and uh, he's transferring, or more than likely he's transferring. He's entered the transfer portal, and all rumors point to him going to USC. And I, I think Coward said today that uh, reportedly like $3 million in a house. And I've I've I found the media very disingenuous on college sports for basically my entire adult life. They always freaked out about no one getting paid when that was just factually incorrect. Guys have been getting paid hundreds of thousand dollars in college football and college basketball basically before I was born, let alone the last 20 years with the explosion of money. Like guys were handed large suitcases of money to go to schools. People are like, well, the same schools? Yeah pay the most the schools that consistently win let's face it some consider it cheating to me that's capitalism like the ncaa has always made arbitrary rules that you can choose to follow or not most of the top programs did not and we have evidence because of the fbi investigation in college basketball that the going rate for top players was three four hundred thousand dollars And I never was bothered by that. If you want to pay Zion, if you want to pay Anthony Davis, if you want to pay Carmelo Anthony, you'd be stupid not to. You should. If you want to pay these sweet recruits, football is a little more difficult because there is no guarantee that a top recruit is going to turn into an NFL player. In basketball, you have a pretty damn good idea when the guy's coming out of high school. Football is a little more difficult. There are the occasional clownies and Julios, but for the most part, and the quarterbacks, it can be very, very hit or miss. So we'll find, as time goes on, how, if I was a huge booster, well, let's just say hundreds of millions of dollars, I would have no problem telling my coach and telling my athletic director, I will fund transfers. I will not fund recruits. Because it's just too big, too too much of an unknown. But I have no problem paying a premium for Addison, this wide receiver from Pittsburgh, who... I told Coward this on Sunday night. I can't blame this guy at all. To me, if Kenny Pickett had a return, you'd be like, well, that's a little weird. That'd be a little shady. His star quarterback just got drafted 20th in the to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has no quarterback. And it's not like he plays at Ohio State or Alabama where they constantly have NFL quarterbacks. He plays at Pittsburgh. So USC comes, Colin. Well, guess what they have? One of the best quarterbacks in the country. He has seen over the last, I don't know, two months the amount of money that wide receivers are being paid. So if I'm him and I just had a fantastic year, I'd be like, well, yeah, I just played with an NFL player. Well, there's a decent chance that Pitts, the next guy up, sucks or is average. Think about Jamar Chase when Joe Burrow, you know, declared for the draft, or maybe he was, maybe his career was over because he was fifth year. I, I don't even remember. He might have been an underclassman, but regardless. Jamar Chase sitting out, I remember everyone made a big deal. He lost his quarterback, and it was proven very, very quickly that the quarterbacks at LSU stink. So he made the right decision just from the fact that who's going to throw him the football? His numbers are going to drop. His, his, he's just not going to be as good, and then his draft status is going to drop. So why would a guy, when you can transfer with ease, which is, I have no problem with it, again, I've never had a problem with people getting brown bags. I've just never been disingenuous and acted like the players didn't get paid. At the top programs, the players have always been paid. Rightfully so. And now it's just above board. You got to pay taxes on it. And I think the numbers are a little higher if you're paying a guy. I don't think guys were making $3 million back in the day. But if you convince me that in college basketball, guys were going for seven figures pre-NIL, I'd believe it. I think it's very fair. I would imagine there have been seven-figure transactions 16, 17-year-olds, probably a little less likely in football. And I I think it's going to happen more often with these guys transferring that are known quantities. Because I have no problem paying a million dollars or two million dollars for the number one wide receiver in the country. right? Because we see how much these guys are going for in the NFL. They're making $70, $80 million. A.J. Brown just got a $100 million. Now he got 57 guaranteed, but if he stays healthy, he'll see every penny. So I, I, I think the freak out on this One, the media is just very disingenuous about it all. And two, who cares? I mean, it's called capitalism. Someone calls you and offers you a bunch of money in a better situation, you'd be stupid to at least not listen, let alone probably go. (laughs) You know, Maybe Pitt doesn't have the money. And maybe just simply from a football standpoint, he thinks their quarterback room isn't very good. How could you blame him? A couple other nuggets around the league. One big story today is the honey badger. Uh, I was kind of hoping the 49ers would sign him, and then I saw how much money he got. Like, damn. You know, he got three years, $33 million, and $18 million guaranteed. That's not nothing. I mean, that's basically, he's going to be on their team for multiple seasons. Uh, you know, it averages $11 million. But to me, I look at it guaranteed money. It's like a two-year, you know, $9, 9500000 million dollar a year contract. And I, I think the Saints Saints fans get very, very mad at me. They're like, oh, middle-class, you're such a St. Hater. I'm not. I think your roster is very good, but it's a coach quarterback league. You just lost the best coach in the history of the franchise to Dennis Allen. You know, I I saw Dennis Allen up close and personal. I just don't see it. Now that doesn't mean guys can't improve, but I I can't just assume that he's going to be really good. And if I say it's a coach quarterback, league, your quarterback is Jameis Winston, who I, you know, I said I was out on, he kind of drew me back in. He's coming off an ACL. I, I don't know. I, I get you play Tampa really well, and you guys love telling everyone that. I understand. But I think it's one thing when Sean Payton's running the offense and Dennis just gets to focus on the defense to what it is now. So I I, I still am. Uh, you have good players on your team. You have a lot of stud players. Your defensive roster is good. But we'll see. I, I'll, I'll take a wait-and-see approach. I'm not saying your guys are going to suck, but I, I just don't think you're some lock playoff team. Like I said with the Baker situation, the money, that's an all-time regret for the Browns. But where is he going to go? What are they going to do with him? I think what ends up happening is he gets released and uh, kind of go from there. But who knows? Like there, There is not some locked team that just makes a lot of sense with Baker Mayfield. Same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I think there's a decent chance, unless they can somehow convince Jimmy to be the backup. But even then, that gets a little weird. What if Trey Lance struggles and fans want to make the playoffs, start screaming, just put Jimmy back in the game. It's kind of a tightrope to walk. I, I would probably recommend... You just got to go. I mean, part of the reason with Patrick Mahomes obviously turned out to be an all-time great player. They just gave him the keys to the to the castle. Basically, they got Alex out of there, and and Alex still had a lot of good football left before he got injured. But you just Mac Jones last year. You cut Cam Newton. You have to just give the guy the locker room. So to me, even if it is an option, because you'd rather have multiple quarterbacks and one quarterback, I, I, I do think it's a very very slippery slope and for the, for the uh, best chance for success for Trey Lance, I think you would just have to cut him. Worst case. Cause I don't know where you're going to be able to trade him. $27 million? Who the hell even needs a quarterback? Uh, the wide receiver drama, it's going to be interesting, right? The 49ers, I mean, are they able to sign Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin? What does his contract look like? DK Metcalf, who's been you know participating with Seattle. We kind of know the, uh, the parameters of a given contract, right? It's A.J. Brown. 57 guaranteed, $100 million, $25 million a year. I think all these guys are in the ballpark. And we'll we'll see the next one that gets paid. But it it does feel like they're all going to get uh, big money. Okay, let's dive into this little thing we call the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. You slide up into those direct messages and you get your question answered here on the show. I assume there are different levels of scouts. How did you compare to, say, Daniel Jeremiah? He seems to use a lot more verbiage, scout speak. Fast twitch, tight hips, ETC. Did you help find players or just do more background information on them? Did Eagles put you through a training course to learn from what they were looking for? Well, let's start with the DJ thing. I you know, I think he, you know, he is the top draft analyst for NFL Network. So I mean he is like Mike Mayock was. And Scott and Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper, like that is their gig to dive deep into the draft prospects. And ultimately, this I I consider this an entertainment product, probably much more surface level. I'm playing, I'm just not going to dive as deep. Now, when I worked in the NFL and wrote reports on players, I spoke that language. I had the same verbiages tight hip, loosen the hips, change the direction top-end speed, whatever, all the scouting terminology. I got a very, very good training ground with Coach Hill at Fresno State for two years and learned a large percentage of a base of the terminology, how to evaluate. And then when I got to the NFL, you just learn more. And um, yeah, you just kind of learn on the fly. Now, by the time I got there, I had a relative base of knowledge. I learned. It's like... You know, I got my undergraduate degree in football at Fresno State, and I got my PhD in football at in Philadelphia. And I actually replaced DJ my third year when he went to work at NFL Network, and I took over the West Coast. So I I would just say that you know I'm I'm really more I'm trying to play to everybody. You know, I'm, I'm not diving in beside the big topics. I don't get that nerdy on like second, third, fourth round players, right? It's just not really my thing. So we just kind of play different roles, I would say. Hey, John, question for you: I was listening to a podcast today that had an economic, uh, an economist as a guest, and they were talking about how hard it is to pick successful quarterbacks in the draft. The link is below. But the but the research seems to indicate is that no one attribute for a quarterback is directly correlated with their success, other than completion percentage in college. It's interesting but I don't know if I can completely buy it. It seems like arm strength and cognitive ability, Wonderlick ETC, would also be important and correlated to success. Anyway, just curious, what are your top three attributes you find important when evaluating a quarterback? Well, first and foremost, just to be in the NFL mix, you have to have, obviously, your Division One starter. I guess you could be a Division One AA starter like a Derek, a Jimmy Garoppolo. But for the most part, or Joe Flacco or whatever, but you're a division one starter. And, you know, for the most part, these guys are going to be between six, one and a half. I mean, there are a couple outliers and six-five. And you're going to be, you know, the athletic spectrum has completely changed. You know, before you didn't need to be athletic at all. I, I think now you look for a little more athleticism. And arm strength, to me, I always like a stronger arm. But you can get away with Phillip Rivers, Peyton Manning if you're really accurate. But I I like strong arm. So just the attributes of the player and obviously accurate. The intangible stuff, to me, really makes players. Right? How he is as a teammate, how hard he works, how addicted he is to football, how much he cares, how much it means to him. Because the little things add up to big things. And something that's, like, when when something is important, usually a lot of things are important. And I, I think a lot of these quarterbacks just have really, really high standards in their life. And I think that carries over to the pressure that comes with being a starting quarterback in the NFL, the pressure that your coach puts on you, that your teammates put on you, that the the city puts on you, that the media puts on you. It's, just, it's very, very difficult. It's, it's very, very challenging. So I, I, I'm a big believer in intangible stuff with quarterbacks. When you think of the great quarterbacks over the last however many decades, right? Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, now Mahomes. Josh Allen, you see Herbert on the come, Lamar Jackson. You know, Aaron's a little different, but he's probably one of the great talents of all time. Non-football golf question for the pod. I love your take on the crypto markets. I heard you mention you're all in on ADA. Me too. Just wondering if you're averaging down on the dips or just riding it out. Uh, I actually looked and it was $75 a day. And uh, I plan on making another purchase here in the next 48 hours. So it's I, I'm not trading for to flip this money to double it in the next six months. It's a big picture play. It's ugly out there. I mean, I'm down heavily in every market, just like a lot of people are. Uh, if you believed in it when it was going up, to me, I don't see why you wouldn't believe in it now when it's going down. Because again, I believed in it as the future. As something that's going to work, and it might not work till 2025 or 2024, but I, I I do believe I have a I I understand what it is better than I'm able to explain it to other people. But I do feel a pretty strong uh, understanding of what it's going to be, or at least in the realm of what it's going to be, and I and I believe that's the future. So could I be wrong? For sure. Sometimes industries are ahead of themselves. And they failed because they were almost too early. Obviously, there's so much money in crypto now that's not necessarily the case. But yes, I, I plan on uh I plan on buying more at these prices for sure. And honestly, I think that way in all of my holdings that I believe in big picture. When something dips and I have several, you know, holdings that are down 50% that if you believe in the industry or you believe in the company, and sometimes I believe in the industry more than this specific company, and I'm just kind of betting, hopefully, you know, I get it right, and I I have before. It's I mean, that's what venture capitalists do. Um, You know, it pays off. Like everyone else in the DMs, love the show. I know you've been shitting on Netflix, but if you haven't seen it, check out The Alpinist. The guy on there... The guy was on a God tier and it's an inspirational film. I've heard several people mention this. I need to check that out. I'm not shitting on Netflix. I actually think it's an, it's a revolutionary company. It's an all-timer. Whether they peaked or whether they get back to you know the mountaintop, what they did, what they stand for, and the word Netflix, how it will resonate with people for the rest of our lives is incredible. What they accomplished... Hat tip to them. Now, I don't necessarily think they're done, but I don't think it's debatable that their content has dipped. It's not as good. I think HBO Max runs circles around them. Honestly, I found more success on Hulu. I'm not anti-Netflix. I just don't think their content has been that good. I think their platform is truly pretty awesome. I think the last Rockstar draft was 06. Leinert, Bush, Vince, Mario, Vernon Davis. That was a pretty good one. I think the one two years ago with Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Justin Fields—that was that bad boy is pretty explosive. I mean, that, those those television ratings were pretty high. Big fan of the pod. Appreciate you breakdown of the NFL. Just wanted to comment on the Monday podcast when you referenced the ref. The refs and politicians are two jobs you can be wrong at and not get fired. I would like to add in weatherman as the other job that you can be wrong most of the time, and still keep your job. I live in Michigan, so the weather is bipolar here. Have a great week. You know what's funny? One benefit of living out west, our weather isn't really that crazy. So like if someone says it's 80, if they miss, it's going to be 78 or 83. It's never like it's supposed to be 80 and it turns out torrential downpour 35. Now when I lived in Philly, I lived in Kansas City during college for a couple months. Those are crazy weather places. So I, I can imagine getting very mad at the weatherman for often being way off. Our weathermen out here, now granted, I never watch the weatherman. I just check my iPhone. But for the most part, it's pretty on. <laughs> I'll give the credit to actually the uh, the iPhone weather app. Pretty good. Which I think is just connected to weather.com. I'm confused as to why you don't think the Saints can compete in the NFC. You yourself said the NFC is wide open. True. As stated, the Saints were 5-2 before Winston tore his ACL. Winston was having a great year, 14 touchdowns, three picks. We had to start Taysom Hill and Simeon the rest of the season, and still somehow won nine games. If the Rams take, would have taken care of San Francisco the last game, we would have been in the wild card spot. Yes, Sean Payton is gone, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right there. That's a pretty big deal. Like, if you just remove Andy Reid, or you just remove... You know, just go around like Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay. Even if you pump in their replacement, like let's say Kyle Shanahan left tomorrow and D'Amico Ryan took over or even Robert Sala took over. That is not the same thing. If Sean McVay would have gone to television and Raheem Morris took over, I would not view the Rams the same way. The head coach is very important, especially when your head coach is the play caller. So... Your roster is really good, and your defense has been excellent the last couple of years. And Jameis, I'll give him credit. He, he looked pretty good. You're 5-2. and two, You're right. The the stats were pretty good. But, I mean, Sean Payton. So I, I, I can't look at you the same with Dennis Allen. I am not saying your team doesn't have a good roster. I'm not saying that if Dennis Allen is just solid, you won't be okay. But I don't know. I, I just, who's helping out Jameis Winston? That's my question. That was Sean Payton's job. Dennis Allen's a defensive coach. I got a question for the mailbag. Is it not an unwritten rule that you don't trade back during the draft with division rivals? I was at my local watering hole screaming at the TV when Minnesota traded back not once, but twice with division rivals and feel they got some pretty damn good players. Well, when I trade, like, let's say, let's say this. I got Tyreek Hill... And you are the Raiders and you want Tyreek Hill. I would not trade you Tyreek Hill even for your draft picks. Right? If I'm going to trade Khalil Mack, I'm not going to trade Khalil Mack when he was on the Raiders to the Chargers or the Chiefs or the Broncos. But when I trade draft picks, one, you don't have to tell me who you're picking. And two, it's just about value. Like I said, it's just an economic exercise. So when I trade, which I thought Minnesota's trade was terrible, how did last year the Bears... Traded from 20 to 11 and had to give the Giants a future first round pick. Yet the Vikings traded from 12 to 32 and didn't get a future one. How's that possible? I don't care if you tell me the draft picks they got added up to the equal value. That doesn't make any sense. 12 to 32? That is an insane fallback. Now, I, I, yeah, to me, it's out the window. The Eagles and Cowboys made a trade last year. I, I don't think it matters. You don't trade players, though. Like, you wouldn't trade... The Packers wouldn't have traded Devontae Adams to the Lions or the Bears, right? You wouldn't trade Tyreek Hill to the Raiders. You, you wouldn't trade DeForest Buckner to the Rams or Seattle. But you do do draft day trades with whoever. Because it, it's all just numbers. It's It's what I said. It's just... It's just about value. Listen to the pod on the mail route. I listen every day. What are your thoughts on the Eagles' two first-round picks next year and an unsure quarterback? Do you think Howie would trade the two firsts and Hurts on a package for Aaron Rodgers? Well, you know, one of the picks is obviously the Saints, and the Saints fans think they're going to be pretty good, and obviously the Eagles fans think they're going to be pretty good. It's very possible that both those two teams compete to make the playoffs and are picking in the early 20s. I do not think Aaron Rodgers would play for the Eagles I don't have any inside information on that. It feels like he's either playing for the Packers or going to retire. Uh, I think the Eagles did that in case something gets weird. They have ammo to trade up and get a, you know, one of the top quarterbacks next year. I think that would be the plan. You know, it, let's say the Saints, again, Jameis gets hurt, Dennis Allen sucks, and they win six or seven games. And all of a sudden that pick's 10 or 12. And the Eagles pick is 18. Could you do 10? N18, and a future one to get C.J. Stroud. To me, that's where the move came into play. I don't think necessarily Aaron Rodgers. Because I don't think he would do that. Aaron Rodgers would be 38. That would be pretty risky. Though obviously the Eagles would take Aaron Rodgers right now. But I I just, I have a hard time. To me, he's either going to retire or play for the Packers. Love the pod. My name is Nate Harris. I just recently retired from minor league baseball this past year. I've started a podcast of my own, baseball related. I'm curious if you had any tips on how to grow the following, get the pod in front of more people. Again, love what you do. Huge Cowboy fan, NFL fan in general. I appreciate that. Congrats on a minor league baseball career. I'm dead serious. That's a pretty cool accomplishment. You got to play pro baseball. Not many people get to uh, play sports past high school. And you got to do it probably in college, definitely. Well, I guess in baseball, you could go right from high school, but you got to do it at the professional level. That's hat tip. I, I would say your best avenues right now are to use social media. And to me, Twitter is a good avenue just to get people to see. It doesn't necessarily turn into more listeners, but it does get eyeballs. TikTok, I'm not on t- I guess I have a TikTok. I don't use it, but it's pretty big time. Like It gets in front of people. And maybe do some baseball TikToks. And to me, YouTube and Instagram as well. That to me is your best. Everything you post, put it on those. Put it on YouTube. Put it on Instagram. Start a TikTok. That's a free way. It doesn't cost you any money. And it's relatively easy to load. Been listening to you uh, for a couple years from England, and I'm a big fan. I have heard you talk many times about the sport is king and obviously is the NFL. As a big English Premier League fan, do you think it could be as big in America as baseball, basketball, and football? I've heard you talk a couple times about football, aka soccer. If you ever want any more info, let me know. I think it's hard. I When I went to Europe for a couple months when I was in like my junior year in college over the summer, I stayed in Spain. And I just remember kids, five years old, eight years old, 12 years old, soccer balls were everywhere. When you just walk down the street, it's a huge part of your culture. If you just walk around in America, what do you see? Baseball diamonds, basketball hoops, people playing football in the park, football practice, right? Every high school you go by, you see those three things. Obviously, you see soccer goals there too, but I just think it's entrenched in our culture, right? We are just, we grow up on those major sports, just like over in Europe you know you grew up in the UK and Spain and Italy soccer Germany soccer's life it's it's part of the ethos of every human being which is cool I don't think we'll ever get that here and I don't I don't even think it's possible to be honest with you do you know who Alex Ovechkin is yeah I know who Alex Ovechkin is one of the greatest hockey players of all time. Uh, thank you for real takes and not sugarcoating through the topics. I'm a Wyoming, Wyoming boy and a diehard Dallas fan. This week, Stephen Jones said there are no musts going into the draft. As a fanta- uh, As a fanatic, that bothers me. Makes me feel like there is no urgency to win now. While we still have some nice weapons, nice young weapons, and two nice running backs, is the Jones family being the front office our biggest blessing and our biggest downfall? Well, let me defend... Any team who talks before the draft, I don't think you're giving away anything, right? So if 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 Stephen Jones would have said our number one goal is to get a corner, every team in the league would be like, well, they're taking a corner in the first two rounds. So if they take if you want to get a corner and they're about to draft, you have to jump them. So I to me, it's part of the poker of this thing. Like, what's he supposed to say? You know, I I don't think he actually believes that, but I think it's a tough spot. Uh, big fan of Three and Out. Been listening. Uh, if you ever start a merch line, please make sure you have the shirt with the phrase, let's call a spade a spade. My question for you. How do you see your Three and Out podcast developing as you continue to grow? Do you have specific goals, plans in mind? Or are you just riding the wave and not fixing something that isn't broke? This is my mom. Uh, I, you know, people ask me that every once in a while. I I'm not anti-goals or not being goal-oriented, but I'm I just, I'm pretty tunnel vision just kind of going month to month and just working as hard as I can, putting out as many shows as I can. I, I'm not like in three years, because part of it is there's not necessarily a goal to be had. I want to get as many people to listen. I want to make as much money as possible. I want to entertain as many people as possible. I want to do stuff that people like like it's cool when people tell me they enjoy listening like that's that's a good feeling right um i want to be a place where people enjoy to go and if more and more people enjoy to go then things go well for me so i bef- beside that i can't really expand on The show keeps going well we all do well so that's pretty much my only goal is to stay pretty focused on this uh just keep doing the show lifelong lions fan i don't understand the hate aiden hutcheson is getting Why are members of the media saying he's not a high seedling pro ball talent? When I watch him, I see someone with a high motor who by all accounts is addicted to football. Why has the media written him off from being great? That's a good question. I I mean, I think sometimes when you're a white pass rusher, not named Bosa, I mean, there's probably a little something to that. Uh, Short arms. Yeah, I mean, you got to pick on somebody. I just think part of being a high, highly touted prospect in any draft, is they kind of pick you apart. You know, I mean, it happens to the quarterbacks every year. We were we were crushing. Justin Fields was getting picked apart last year. Mac Jones was getting picked apart last year. Trey Lance was getting picked apart last year. Trevor Lawrence was getting crushed this year. You know, it's just we don't pick apart fifth round players, right? This is the difference when the guy asked me the difference between you and DJ, like. I spend most of my time talking about the top guys. DJ is much more into the weeds, second, third, fourth. He's approaching it like he still works in the NFL. I approach it like I'm just here to entertain the most people possible. So we're going to end up talking Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau the entire time. And it's just, when you're a highly touted prospect, whether you're Jamar Chase, whether you're Micah Parsons, whether you're Aiden Hutchinson, you're not going to be a perfect prospect. So when you're not a perfect prospect, we're going to end up talking about your flaws more than your positives, which can be unfair, in which I think a lot of times why teams miss on players. And it's probably not totally fair, but it's just part of the business. And it's it's the way they talk in the draft rooms. It's the way we obviously talk here on this show. It's the way most fans talk when a guy has struggles at something. Now, I'm with you. When I watched Michigan last year, he was typically the best player on the field. He was a complete ass kicker. He went two overall. Like let's. Here's the other thing. Let's not act like he... He, didn't, he, went, two. he went two. When you meet Aiden Hudson for the rest of his life, whether he has success or he fails, yeah, I played in the NFL. Oh, you did? How did you make it there? Yeah, I played in Michigan and then was selected second overall. I get it was a down draft, but second overall. That's a pretty... He, I'd say he's pretty highly valued second overall. And if he wouldn't have been picked, I would imagine the Texans would have picked him at three. So I, I think sometimes, you know, they got nitpicked, but even Kayvon, he went five. Stingley, oh, Stingley hasn't had a good year in two two. seasons. Went three. Like, these guys all went pretty damn high. I think we'll end there. Uh, my dinner, I ordered DoorDash. Should be arriving here pretty, pretty soon. And I was like, I'm going to make a healthy meal. And then I'm like, I'm pretty, i uh, just going to order some food. Have a good week. We'll have the golf podcast uh, coming out Wednesday. PGA Championship in two weeks. No big deal. A little golf major. A little warrior game for Thursday, Tuesday. When do the Warriors play next? Tuesday. Love a good warrior game. Adios. Talk to everyone soon. Peace. See ya.